Hello everyone and welcome to the 18th episode of Encrypted. My name is Ahmed El Balaghi and I'm coming to you live from Area 2721 in Dubai, in the United Arab Emirates. Encrypted is a weekly podcast dedicated to guiding you through the blockchain and crypto universe. And today with me, um, I have my co-host, it's not Faisal, he's um, a bit busy today. Um, it's actually Anika, he's here in Dubai for a couple of days. Say hello. Hello everyone, this is Anika here. How are you doing? And good to be finally at the uh, Area 2071 office and, you know, physically present in Dubai and having this podcast. Um, Dubai is a lovely city. And yeah, let's get started, Amit. Great. So today we're going to be talking about um, a couple of things um, in this episode. So we're going to be looking over the recent um, developments that's been happening in this episode. Like this crazy market. So the past week at... had been crazy, man. <laughs> a lot of things happened, and I think every time, every second, it was buzzing. You know. Exactly. So yeah. we're going to be looking at um, the SEC orders that happened last Friday. We're going to be looking at um, um, Switzerland, which is giving a green light to an ETF finally. Um, and we're also going to be um, talking a bit about the Bitcoin Cash hash war which is a bit technical, but we just want to give an overall summary of what the hell is actually happening <laughs> in Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, that swiped up 10% of the total market cap. So, of course, like we, we had to talk about what, what actually happened during that. Exactly. But, but, event. But yeah, I mean, the, also, we should talk about the recent, uh, you know, one of the most hyped up summit in Asia. And you also attended that one, uh, that one happened in Macau. Sora Summit. Uh, so how was it? What what were the industry trends? What new innovations and new projects did you see over there? Would you would you like to throw some light on it? Yes. Yeah, so I was actually in Macau uh, last week, and Macau is an amazing city. It's basically the Las Vegas of um, <laughs> of Asia, and it was. So I went there to attend the Sora Summit which is organized by Zora, Zora Ventures, um, uh, which is a VC fund um, actually run by a friend of ours called Jason. And he actually threw in a really cool event, which basically brought in many of the um, funds um, all across Asia um, and also some from North America and different projects as well to talk about different trends and different developments that are happening in the crypto market. And there were definitely a few takeaways um, from my end. I'd say the first takeaway is basically seeing for the first time Asian crypto investors, particularly the Chinese crypto investors, um, talking about security tokens and what they thought of it. And surprisingly, half of them um, were not in favor of security tokens. <laughs> um, and the reason being is because there's regulation. And is it probably because uh, they're not registered, most of them? Officially with the you know, local authorities. I mean, some are registered, but it's the idea that for for many of these investors, they have been used to, you know, hyper growth, <laughs> hyper returns. Crazy flips, huh? Exactly. And so security tokens, which is regulated, which um, uh, so security tokens which are regulated, which basically have, you know, uh, another sort of multiple years, maybe three or four years until people see returns. Um, uh, this is something that, you know, some of these Chinese investors don't really like. They still want to stick to something where they could see easy and quick returns. Um, and of course, you had many other investors out there who actually were, 
were in full support of security tokens because of um, the regulatory nature and the fact that there is more um, clarity and confidence for the investors as well. So that's sort of one takeaway is that not everyone's on the same page when it comes to security tokens. Just just to add on uh, security tokens, so for, for our listeners who don't know much about STOs, or security tokens. We did an episode on STO, mm-hmm. uh, dedicated uh, with uh, you know industry leaders from Cambio Ventures and uh, side from Binary Financials. So you should yeah. definitely check it out and you know if you want to know more about what STOs are and how do you how do you conduct an STO. Exactly, and I'd say also the second takeaway from the summit um, was a lot of these crypto funds are essentially in a pretty um, I'd say awkward position now because <laughs> now the crypto market has had a very huge downfall and that basically meant if you had a crypto portfolio where most of your assets were exposed to cryptocurrency then imagine you had you know a 200 million portfolio and that just goes down to 80 million or even less right? than that or right? even less than that and that actually freaks the hell out of many of these fund managers who actually control um, you know, these funds. And what's funny exactly is the fact that all of these people who actually made a fund from, um, from these crazy returns in, in crypto, they, were, they probably didn't have much experience before in VC investing and actually fund management. And this is something that you know for the first time they see a really huge dip in in their portfolio and it's something that's actually scary and and you do see some funds actually who are trying to raise um some capital as well from um from traditional investors in order to run a new different fund with a different thesis and different strategy um and so it's it's funny because you have some traditional funds which actually have a lot of experience and fund management and sort of VC management as well, which kind of anticipated the best ways to hedge risk. And those are the ones who actually have, you know, much more say in the, in the game and in the actual market because of their um, experience and how to actually handle money um, and actually how to handle risk. So it's definitely a, I'd say, sort of a, a wake-up call to sort of the new fund managers in the space. Um, and so, like all the traditional people that are, you know, trying to come in the game or, you know, we call it uh, analysts or investors 2.0, are they all in favor of security tokens or they also believe in utilities and they would want to, you know, focus on utility tokens or the normal ICOs that we're having? Like, what, what did we see in the Sora Summit? So they they both were actually in still in favor of the concept of utility tokens, but... That's interesting. But very selective, right? Okay. It's, have, it's being very selective with the projects and why they need that utility token. And instead of doing an ICO, how could you... Um, an initial coin offering, how else could you basically give away those coins for actually people to use the network. And I'd say one really big um, uh, take, another another takeaway as well was an, um, you actually had some projects um, who were not, not really pitching, but actually just sort of sharing not only their ideas, but their, their experience as well. 
Um, so you had some projects and many third parties and some of these funds as well, all agreeing to the same point about user acquisition and how we need more users um, using these products and using these solutions that have actually been created by a lot of these um, ICO projects. And we need some successful use cases before the industry could take another step. Um, and it's true, we, you know, if we're going to have you know, a $800 billion industry, although it's not that much compared to many other industries, it still needs, you know, some successful use cases for, for the world to actually see, okay, this is a industry that could thrive and go ahead. But um, I definitely like full, um, uh, full credit goes out to, to the summit for actually really having an amazing sort of structure to the agenda to actually not making the the event feel like an ICO pitch fest. Yeah, also it was not like that. a bling bling event, right? Like yeah. you had only 200, 300 people and very much focused about yeah. uh, the investment trends and, you know, funds. And that was the major theme of it. Exactly. So, yeah, um, it was it was awesome. Hopefully we get to see more and more events <laughs> like that in the future. Now, on to our, um, our episode and talk about the latest news. So this is from newsbtc.com. This is SEC orders Airfox and Paragon, never heard of those projects, <laughs> to return millions to investors on ICO registration violations. So earlier, you, do you want to go ahead with this? Yeah, so earlier in the episode, uh, you were talking about what new fund managers and investors are talking about, and they are still focusing on utility tokens. So this is like, can be one of the examples of how you shouldn't do an ICO? or how you shouldn't do a utility token-based ICO. Uh, so I think Paragon, uh, it was quite a hype project uh, in its time because they were uh, basically targeting the uh, lower section of the society and it, it was basically based on micropayments uh, and uh, improving and optimizing the supply chain for farmers. Uh, but I think uh, they didn't do well as... Uh, they didn't register themselves uh, as securities and uh, as a result of which they had to return uh, whatever 15 million that they raised during the ICO. And uh, apart from that, they have to pay 350,000 as penalty fee for not properly registering themselves and in the SEC department. Exactly. And so it's, it's funny because now it looks like the SEC are really going sort of for the low-hanging fruit. And what I mean by that is going after the companies um, and the projects that raise money through initial coin offerings, um, which actually had, you know, tokens that actually smelled and looked like securities. And it looks like they've gone after these two, Airfox and Paragon, to really sort of make a statement to the industry. And exactly. Say, and I think a lot of more projects are coming uh, in the in the next few days. And that's what people have been predicting. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, as, a, as a result, if they're termed as securities, so investors can actually sue the companies and get the money back. So, like, for example, I invested in a company... And the very next day, the coin drops by 80%. So we, as a community, as investors, we can actually sue the companies and get our money back. Uh, so this can get a lot of companies bankrupt if this happens. Uh, and uh, this is actually a very scary moment in the in the industry. And But in the end, of course, it, it's going to happen for the good. Because uh, we have seen, a, 
and like tons of projects just raising money for the sake of raising money and not even following the roadmap and debating and pivoting on something else that they shouldn't be doing so all these projects gonna be uh what do you call wrecked pretty soon if uh, sec cracks down uh, really harshly on all these low-hanging fruits that we talked about exactly and it feels like that all the icos that have raised money in in america are probably going to have um you know a tough few months um because they could be on the hook for actually violating um securities regulations and i i think this is a good thing for the industry because a at least for these two companies they haven't said that we completely violated securities laws they basically they basically they didn't deny it nor approve the fact that they um that they have or they haven't violated securities laws but they have consented with what the sec told them to do which is pay fines in excess of two hundred fifty thousand dollars around that figure but this again is a is a good indication for at least one set of regulations which is in the u.s and this actually leads on to our next article which is probably a more progressive regulator yeah, this is gonna cheer everyone up right, right? so <laughs> this is from the financial times um it says Switzerland gives green light to first cryptocurrency exchange traded product. And essentially, Switzerland's main stock exchange has given a green light to the world's first exchange traded product, tracking multiple cryptocurrencies. And this is from a, a firm called Amun, A-M-U-N, which is a London financial technology company. And they basically have created the Amun crypto exchange traded product which would go live on Switzerland's uh, main uh, stock exchange. And this exchange traded product um, has been basic designed to track an index based on the movements of five leading cryptocurrencies. So this is actually a good thing because it's tracking in a way five cryptocurrencies as opposed to other um, exchange traded products, which would only track Bitcoin, for example. But with this, the reason why this is is a good thing for the industry is because you could actually um, see institutional um, capital coming into um, crypto assets. So this is something we actually talked about a couple of episodes ago um, with Faisal. And the idea is that this will give institutional investors, um, which are pretty much restricted um, to investing only in securities, and they wouldn't sort of, you know, go and buy Bitcoin in an exchange um, because that's, you know... Th- because these exchanges are not regulated, it's very hard for them to do that. And also for a normal person, it's very difficult and unsecured to get an exchange, to get to, to buy a Bitcoin from an exchange, right? Uh, you have to take care of a lot of uh, security problems. You need to have a wallet. Uh, and that's very, that makes the actual investment in Bitcoin very difficult for a common man. So with the launching of ETPs, uh, you can actually just invest in a fund and that can actually manage your entire crypto food portfolio exactly um and so even for an institutional investor the same thing they wouldn't want to you know uh, deal with the custody problem of buying something on an exchange and managing a wallet Uh, the idea is basically to actually invest into a, a fund which basically deals with all of that complexity and so th- this is actually um, a very good thing, um, in my opinion, especially from a more progressive regulator. And it's funny, um, it's just, uh, as I'm seeing here in this article, it says it says that the ETP will trade under the ticker called HODL, 
um, <laughs> which is on which is a, a really awesome abbreviation for um, for the crypto world, which is hold on for dear life, and it basically will uh, you know give us a signal to see how well uh, you know a product like this will actually trade within the market and if it's actually useful for. Um, the institutional investors, particularly after the really big drop in, in the crypto market. Um, so, yeah, I guess this is this is something that that will will be very excited. To hear I hope about. other countries also follow this kind of regulations and make the actual use cases of cryptos uh, and increase the mass adoption of uh, this revolutionary technology. Absolutely. And one more, um, one more article we just want to quickly go over. Um, this is actually a, is a very, very interesting topic. <laughs> the scary moment in the industry, yeah. That's been happening um, in the past couple of days um, and also past couple of weeks as well. And this is from crushthestreet.com. The Bitcoin cash hash war continues as billions are wiped off the markets. Just to give a quick background um, for our listeners. So Bitcoin Cash is basically um, a cryptocurrency that was forked off from the main Bitcoin chain last year. Um, and essentially last year what had happened, you had the main Bitcoin chain, people wanted to make changes on the main Bitcoin chain and essentially they went off and did their own cryptocurrency called Bitcoin Cash, which um, has different features to the main Bitcoin and which um, they believe is the actual Satoshi vision. Yes, wow. precisely. And so this year now, there's a... So last year, there was a huge fight within Bitcoin. And so now you have two camps, which is Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. This year, the Bitcoin Cash camp has had its own internal conflict, <laughs> which is actually very funny. Um, and the reason why we're covering this is because... Um, Although it's a bit technical, and to be honest, I really don't care much about it. Like when all this was happening, I was just laughing my head off. But it's just important because it highlights sort of the governance issues when it comes to Bitcoin and decentralized forms of currency. Because here, um, you know, the, the tensions that are that are happening, especially now in Bitcoin Cash, is you have you you have powerful miners which um, are in one side and then the other side you also have somebody who's a very big influence who deems himself to be satoshi nakamoto the the creator of bitcoin and there's this really big feud between the the two of them and they both have their own supporters and it's just been a big mess so basically it just says that how fragmented the market is and you know few of the powerful influencers can actually manipulate the entire market and this is what happened uh in the past week uh, this is a scary moment for the industry, and this also tells up tells us that we have a long way to go. Uh, if things like this happens, uh, like more frequently, of course, the mass adoption of cryptos won't be possible. But uh, yeah, people are moving forward with it, and we don't expect we we expect a better uh, you know outcome of it because no one is actually able to predict why the market crashed. Uh, people are just you know uh, you know moving it with the hash bars and linking it with it somehow but moving forward in the next few months or so we'll we'll get a better idea on what exactly happened and you know uh, how we should move forward if a situation like this happens uh, in future exactly and and just to quickly explain what hash wars are so 
in in Bitcoin and essentially these um, proof of work mechanism designs, a hash um, hashing is basically the use of electricity to secure um, uh, the, the the blockchain. And here in the Bitcoin Cash hash war, the idea is that you have two implementations: the Bitcoin Cash ABC, and then the Bitcoin Cash SV. And each camp is saying you know, our implementation is better and therefore they devote more resources and electricity um, to each chain. And so the hash war is who has the most electricity to ensure the survival of their implementation. And so, I mean, there are so many of these websites and statistics um, which are all online, for example, like Coindance um, and the rest of them, which actually are showcasing, um, you know, the different hashing powers that each implementation has and by now it looks like the bitcoin ab the bitcoin cash abc implementation has the most hashing power behind it and usually in bitcoin um, if you're not aware of it there's something called the longest chain rule and I, the idea of the longest chain rule is that um, the network would usually converge to the implementation or um, the chain the blockchain which has the most hash power behind it and which has the longest um, block history as well and yes this is a bit technical um, this is something that we probably don't want to get a bit too much yeah we should do a dedicated uh, episode on hash bars uh, you know in the next few months yeah probably yeah that yeah. would be good that would be good um, but yeah I think this was also one of the reasons why um, you know why there was a huge crash in the markets last week I mean from the Bitcoin SV camp, the person leading it is was Craig Wright, which is which is a person who had, uh, who, he who claims to be Satoshi, yeah, exactly. He claims <laughs> himself to be um, Satoshi, and he actually went on Twitter um, with a barrage of tweets saying that Bitcoin is the Bitcoin price is going to die. People are going to sell Bitcoin in order to ensure Bitcoin Cash could survive, and. Uh, you know, um, little and behold that, you know, Bitcoin did actually kind of go down because there was this huge um, sort of outbreak within the community and people being very uncertain of what's going to happen. Um, and the markets did experience um, a massive sell-off just before the Bitcoin cash split. But again, this is also an amazing experiment, just an amazing experiment to see how you know, something with open networks and open governance can actually happen in real life. And and the fact that it's not on a global scale and not affecting millions of people, but it's affecting just like it's a it's an it, it's not a controlled experiment, but it's a experiment with, you know, within a small group that's actually playing in a in a very fascinating way. Um, and it's definitely one for the history books as well. I mean, nobody f- yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, saw it coming. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think uh, we, we covered a lot in this episode and uh, uh, a lot of things happened actually in the past week. Uh, so, yeah, I guess uh, this is it for now in this episode. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week with another exciting episode of Encrypted. Uh, so, Ahmed, uh, where can... Uh, uh, the people find us or you know where can they get to know more about what we are doing and if they want anything exactly so you could easily find us on our um, website which is encrypted.fireside.fm um, and uh, reach out to us through our contact page 
and also we're on instagram and linkedin do check us out definitely do check us out next week and tune in because we'll have a very special guest and if you like this episode please um, leave us a rating and review on apple itunes because those reviews do help um, the show a lot and if you do like it do tell a friend tell them to tune in as well thank you very much